I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Instant Reaction Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Saturday night that it's nice to not have this game going to Sunday, and it's nice to be 1-0 in the Big Ten. Your Iowa Hawkeyes, 27-10 winners over Rutgers on the road. Iowa's first road game of the year, first Big Ten game of the year, and it went about as well as you could hope, unless you bet the under. Obviously, a big talking point all week was the low over-under total uh, point total set by Vegas uh, at all sports books, and this did go over. Iowa's first over of the year, thanks to a Drew Stevens uh, field goal late in the game. A doink, a 51-yard field goal from Drew Stevens, a great kick. Uh, re- really nice to see that. Really nice to see him continue his game. I talked last week about the need for him to solidify himself as Iowa's field goal kicker, and it appears that, at least as as of now, that's the case, and so you feel more confident about uh, Iowa's special teams as a whole going forward. You still feel very confident about Iowa's defense, even even after a fourth quarter in which they things got a little loose. Things got a little loose there, and uh, that that shows up in some of the stats. That shows up in allowing Rutgers to score a touchdown, uh, which Iowa didn't do through. through. Um, through 15 quarters of this season. So after three full quarters of this game tonight, Iowa had given up 16 total points and just one touchdown, that one touchdown on the long 21-play, 99-yard drive from Iowa State to win that game. Uh, but this defense, I mean, all of the superlatives, right? There, There is no hyperbole that goes too far with how good this defense is and how good they are playing right now and how that gives Iowa a chance to be successful uh, in each and every game and in this season as a whole. I say each and every game understanding full well that that Ohio State game looms and uh, the way that they're clowning Wisconsin tonight. Uh, don't expect great things there. But outside of that, uh, you feel good about Iowa's team for the most part moving forward here uh, or as probably as good as you could uh, going into this Saturday and coming out of that with a, a nice win. Spencer Petras looked good. Not great, but better. Um, didn't even target a wide receiver until the fourth quarter so didn't try to do too much uh had a couple of times where you know you needed a a third down conversion and he kind of tucked the ball and even though it was clear he wasn't going to convert uh just you know went out of bounds um didn't play to lose the game didn't make the mistake that you can't make in a game like this and so all of that was pretty good. Did hit one long ball to Sam Laporta. It was really nice to see Sam Laporta get involved heavily in this game. He had four catches for 77 yards. Uh, you know, he's a guy that we all expected to be a major part of this offense, a major part of this team, and just hadn't been up until now. And it was nice to see him. Luke Lachey also had a couple of catches, 37 yards. Uh, so Petrus was certainly looking for his tight ends today. 
tonight uh, looking for his backs out of the backfield and not really looking at his wide receivers. Um, 11-17 was features for 148 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but that's a 65% completion rating, and it's what you ask him to do. Um, And so, you know, I I don't think anybody's won over by that performance. I don't think anybody who uh, would like to see Alex Padilla or somebody else under center uh, thinks that or has changed their mind for Spencer Peters tonight. And I don't think anybody who says, well, this this kind of is what it is and and it's okay uh, that Iowa plays this type of, of ball um, changed their mind either. So Spencer Peters just kind of did what uh, you expect him to do. And Iowa's offense, it was nice to see them at least drive the ball several times and, uh, and get into scoring position, uh, score a touchdown, an offensive touchdown from uh, LaShawn Williams. It was really cool to see him get in the end zone. Obviously, he missed last week's game due to his father's funeral. So so cool to see him not just get into the end zone, but B.I. was leading rusher tonight. He had 64 yards on 11 carries and, and looked very good doing it. A 5.8 average. Uh, broke off a 21-yard run at, at one point as, as his long. But he looked good. Uh, straightforward, straight-ahead runner. Had some quickness. Looked good. Caleb Johnson looked very good as well. He had 58 yards on 15 carries. He was essentially the featured back tonight. Um, but, you know, almost a four-yard per carry average. And this is against a, a very good, or at least a, a good, rushing defense in Rutgers. Um, you know, will all of the conversation we had over the last week about how good Rutgers defense is, will that hold up? through the rest of the season as they get into Big Ten play and uh, the gauntlet that is the Big Ten East year in and year out, and and this year is no different? Probably not. By the end of the season, we probably won't look at Rutgers as a team with a great defense. But coming into today, that's what they were, and Iowa was able to open up some holes and and really play well. Some changes on the offensive line at some point really helped things out. I'm not an offensive line guru. I'll let those people explain to you exactly what they saw. But the offensive line definitely looked better and definitely – looked better at a certain point in the game like they didn't come out looking great necessarily but you know about halfway through that second quarter things really started to open up for them or they started to open things up for the rest of the offense uh, is a better way to put that Uh, Gavin Williams had 17 yards on seven carries 14 of those came on on one uh, play his long was 14 and you know he didn't he wasn't bad by any means had two catches for 10 yards um it just it he doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like this is a three if that makes sense it it feels like it's time to kind of settle in on two running backs and it feels like at this point Caleb Johnson and LaShawn Williams are those two guys as surprising as that is you know four weeks into the season where uh, I and and probably a lot of you thought Gavin Williams was the featured back he certainly was in the bowl game and and we saw some flashes from him late last season but uh, for him to be kind of the third guy tonight I think that's probably where you're going to see him moving forward because LaShawn Williams, uh, you know, has the best availability is the best ability is availability, right? So LaShawn Williams has been available. He's, he's started the first couple of games and then what Caleb Johnson has done over the last couple of weeks, I think is undeniable. And it it feels like his potential, uh, is, is really high. His ceiling is really high is Caleb Johnson. So that's really fun to see. Uh, and that could be kind of the piece that this offense needs to, 
to lean on moving forward because this offense is never going to be a prolific passing offense, even if you get Keegan Johnson back, uh, even if Nico Regaini, Regaini, so I got to do that. Even if Nico Regaini and uh, you know is is fully healthy, if. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much Brody Brecht played. He didn't have a catch. He wasn't targeted. Again, Arlen Bruce was the only wide receiver with a catch, and he didn't even have a target until in the fourth until the fourth quarter. So obviously, Iowa came into this with an offensive game plan of get the tight ends involved, get the running game going, and that was enough. That was good enough, uh, especially when you pair that with a defense that not just stops other teams, but uh, and not, not just turns the ball over but rips the hearts out of the opposition I mean when this defense the speed and effectiveness with which this defense turns into an offense after a turnover is remarkable it's so much fun to watch Cooper DeGene on that interception like you see right away the rest of the team isn't celebrating that interception they're getting up and blocking somebody they know there's a chance for a touchdown there and they know that the offense may not get them there. And so uh, when the defense can score, it's maybe the only opportunity to score. And, and so they take advantage of that. You saw the same thing happen with the Kayvon Merriweather touchdown after the fumble. Uh, the the defense turns into an offense. It's just incredible how um, important they are and just the, the momentum that it takes away from the other team, that it gives to your team. Um, the way that this defense turns the ball over just can't be overstated. Iowa is not a good team without an elite defense. And I'm talking one of the best in the country defenses. And because they have that, and because they have Tory Taylor, who definitively won the punting battle of the century tonight, because they have those things, they, they can be a good team. They can have success. They can, like last year, win 10 games and win the Big Ten West. Who knows if they get to that point this year. Um, but with a defense this good you can go far and especially in a division like the Big Ten West uh, which is rough and we'll get to that later on here as well because uh, today was not much better of a day than the last couple of weeks have been for the Big Ten West but enough about them for now your Iowa Hawkeyes are 1-0 in Big Ten play 3-1 and on the season just picked up their first road win and that's a good place to be I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, looking at some team stats, total yards. Rutgers outgained Iowa by almost 100 yards, 361 to 277. Um, I mean, that, that's pretty incredible, too. Now, a lot of that and uh, you know, passing yards is, is the chunk of that, 150 more passing yards for Rutgers than for Iowa tonight. And, you know, some of that's in the fourth quarter. They got some of those chunk plays, those big plays. Again, it felt like Iowa secondary just loosened up a little bit. Uh, that touchdown that Rutgers threw – a nice play by that wide receiver to to get around Riley Moss, you know, one of the best corners in the country, and just make that play, hand check him and get him out of the way and, and make that play. The delay of game 
uh, you know, controversy there. I get it. Yes, you you can screenshot it, and there's a zero on the clock, and they haven't snapped the ball. We've seen this though over and over again. That's not how that play is called. That's not how that penalty is called. The the referee in charge of that sees the zero, looks down, sees the ball, whether it's snapped or not. Then, you know, however many milliseconds or seconds it takes to blow your whistle and pull out that flag and make that decision. It just doesn't happen. That not a computer. It's not a buzzer. It's not the shot clock. Um, The play clock has a little bit of give, and Rutgers took advantage of that, and and good for them on that. Again, too bad to see the the defense give up that touchdown, just their second of the season through four games. But, you know, Rutgers outgained Iowa by quite a bit and and looked pretty good through the air at times. But ultimately, those turnovers were the huge things, not being able to convert late, uh, you know, down the field, on fourth down, things like that. I just made it really, really tough for them. 61 rushing yards Rutgers had. Iowa had 129. That's a good number for Iowa, especially against a defensive front like that with an offensive line that's had a lot of questions and with a a passing attack that really is just not a threat, certainly not a downfield threat. You know, the only threat that Iowa has passing the ball are those kind of uh, out routes, the flats, the drag routes to the tight ends, things like that. And so that really doesn't spread out the defense at all. They can stay in the box and, and attempt to stop that rush. And Rutgers did that and just weren't that successful tonight. Um, again, Iowa with 129 yards rushing. Six penalties for Iowa for 50 yards. That's uncharacteristic. And that's something you can't typically do. Again, if you're going to have this kind of an offense, you just the rest of the game has to be pretty flawless. Your defense has to do what they did tonight and turn the ball over and capitalize on those things. Uh, you can't. Your, your special teams has to take advantage of every opportunity that they have, and you can't hurt yourself. And Iowa did hurt itself a little bit tonight, uh, so need to clean up some things there. Just 14 first downs for the Hawkeyes, one of nine on third down, and that one was in the fourth quarter. That's abysmal. That that's rough. But again, part of those, I, I know at least twice Spencer Petras pulled the ball down and really didn't even attempt to convert the third down, knowing that, hey, if Tory Taylor goes out there and does what he does and if this defense can do what it does, uh, it's, you know, a third down, a punt, uh, you know, a failed third down is not the worst thing that can happen in that situation. Forcing a throw, throwing an interception, fumbling the ball, those are the worst things that can happen in that situation. Uh, but just one of nine on the night for third down, that that's a bad stat. Um, five of 16 was Rutgers, so not a whole lot better. And Rutgers was two of four on fourth down and a couple of big stops there for the Iowa defense. Just 55 plays for the Hawkeyes. That's that's low. Uh, time of possession, let's see, 20, not even, 29-22 to 30-38. Um, so Iowa just kind of plodding. That's a good word for Iowa, plotting. The biggest stat, obviously, of the game, the three turnovers that Rutgers had, Iowa did not turn the ball over. You're really glad to see that. Uh, but those three turnovers led to 14 points. It didn't lead to 14 points, caused 14 direct points, right? A pick six and a scoop and score. Kayvon Merriweather almost had a third inter- or a second interception. It would have been third for the team. Uh, but, you know, whether he dropped that or kind of in the middle of catching it, realized that I shouldn't catch this. It's essentially a, an arm punt and we're much better off if I just let this go. Now, you know, he's, he locks up Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week honors if he catches that. And he'll probably get that anyway with an interception and a uh, fumble return for a touchdown. But, um, you yeah, know, so it looked like he tried to catch it. Very quickly, you could tell he moved to. Eh, it's okay that I didn't catch that. Um, 
And Cooper DeGene, man, what I mean, what more can you say about this kid? First of all, on on the pick six, Lucas Van Ness and the way he just laid out the Rutgers quarterback. I mean, that's how that play starts. But then for Cooper DeGene to kind of Willie Mays catch that over his shoulder. And then again, the, the, the defense turns into an offense and he's got the athleticism to kind of weave his way through that defense, through the Rutgers offense and, and get to the, the touchdown. That's Cooper's third interception in three games. Uh, that's got to be right up there atop at the, the leaders in the country. I think coming into this game, his two interceptions were tied for the lead in the Big Ten and I think fifth in the country. So what he is doing, we've talked about it for a couple of weeks, really been talking about it for a couple of years. I and mean, This kid was such a stud athlete in high school um, that you, you kind of felt like there was a chance he could come in and make a pretty immediate impact. But what he has done, uh, again, not just with those three interceptions, but just playing solid defense, uh, being flexible position positionally, and sure tackling. Uh, the, the one tackle on the punt return was incredible. Kind of a one-arm tackle that really stopped Rutgers from gaining any momentum there. And then just sure tackling you know, on the outside uh, when when you do allow Rutgers to make a catch. And that's what Iowa does. They give a little bit of a cushion. You want to take four yards, you'll get it, but that's all you're going to get. And Cooper DeGene has been a big part of that. Really, really fun to see his uh, explosion here. And he is, you know, not to push Jack Campbell or Riley Moss or anybody else out the door too quickly. But Cooper DeGene is the future of this defense. And uh, the the thought of him and Xavier Wampa, a couple of Iowa boys, uh, running this defense for the next few years is a lot of fun. And, and as, as bleak as things may look uh, this year and in the future offensively, uh, they look that great defensively. It doesn't feel like this, there's going to be any step backwards anytime soon. And so just an overall great game from the defense, a good game from the team overall, and uh, you feel good about uh, getting this win. And then again, you look at the rest of the league and the rest of the Big Ten West, and there are opportunities out there. So let's look at the rest of the Big Ten and how they did today uh, and this week. Illinois with a nice win over Chattanooga on Thursday night, and Illinois looks pretty good. That looks like a, a a tougher game than maybe you thought it was going to be for Iowa. And Brett Bielema's got them looking pretty good right now. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they play. I don't know who they have next week. Uh, but obviously Iowa goes to Illinois in two weeks. Um, I'm going to look up their schedule here real quick. But they, they looked good on Thursday night, a 31 to nothing win. You know, over Chattanooga, nothing great. Now, Illinois is at Wisconsin Saturday, so that's a big game. Does does Illinois carry some momentum into Madison uh, and put a scare into the Badgers? And, and that's going to tell you a lot about Illinois and probably tell us a lot about Wisconsin because, you know, the loss they had to Washington State was unexpected. Tonight's not an unexpected loss, but I think getting just, you know, your ass kicked by Ohio State uh, – is a little unexpected and, and can certainly hurt you a little bit. Wisconsin's going to be two and two after tonight. They're down fifty-two to fourteen right now. I saw Ohio State was playing in the horseshoe as a real fu to Wisconsin, which I personally just love. Uh, what a great night where where Iowa wins and Wisconsin gets just smoked. Fantastic, um, but. So that Wisconsin-Illinois game next week becomes very important for both of those teams and obviously important for Iowa because you are at Illinois the following week. 
Uh, Minnesota looks great. They kicked the snot out of Michigan State. I mean, dominated that game. Uh, Michigan State may not be as good as we thought they were. Uh, they're paying a lot of money for a two and two team, that's for sure. But Minnesota, I've, I've talked for a couple of weeks. I want to see them get tested. I, you know, they beat the crap out of three bad teams. I want to see them play a team with a pulse. And they absolutely did that today, and they beat the pulse out of them. I mean, 34-7 win at Michigan State. That's a big win. That's a statement win for P.J. Fleck and, and those that team. And Minnesota does look like the class of the Big Ten West right now. It looks like um, they're the team to beat. Michigan had a bit of a dogfight with Maryland. That was a surprise. I thought Michigan would, was kind of run away with this. Now, they ultimately won. Uh, 34 to 27, but that was a close game. It was 17 13 at half, and it, it scoreless third quarter. So Michigan had to do a lot to to win. And so on one hand, you think, well, you you kind of wish they would have just run over Maryland and then come into Kinnick next Saturday with a a head full of steam and a lot of confidence and maybe a little overconfident. Uh, you're not going to get an overconfident Michigan coming to Kinnick on Saturday. This is a team that just got a scare and understands that in order to kind of achieve the things that Michigan sets to achieve each and every year, they need to come in and, and put down a, an Iowa team that has to look scary defensively. I mean, for anybody in the country right now when you're looking to play Iowa. Purdue it looks like is potentially going to hold on to win, but they're going to have to hold on to win against Florida Atlantic. This is a one and two Purdue team uh, that's finding ways to lose. And I'm going to hold off on even saying that right now because there's 55 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Florida Atlantic has the ball down by two. So uh, let's stay with this just for another minute or two until we see how this game, because that, that changes things pretty drastically too. And, Man, I know that uh, I'm happy for the former Hawkeyes who have gone to Purdue and found success there. But if you're one in three after four weeks, I think you'd probably rather <laughs> be sitting the bench at Iowa uh, and be three and one. Who knows? Miami of Ohio is beating Northwestern right now as well. Uh, Northwestern is bad. And what's that say about Nebraska? a team that has already lost to Northwestern, had a bye week this week, uh, fired their head coach two weeks ago, fired their defensive coordinator after getting uh, run by uh, Oklahoma last week. Nebraska needs to regroup. Doesn't feel like they're going to be able to do it. You know, I thought there was a chance that come Black Friday, that's a team that would have kind of figured things out. Post Scott Frost, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Uh, you know, there's a lot of season left, a lot of time between now and then, obviously. But uh, really doesn't feel like Nebraska is going to be much. And Northwestern, again, with a, a loss to Miami of Ohio here, um, looming. That's, that's another bad loss after now losses to Duke at home and to Southern Illinois at home. And now you're likely going to lose to Miami of Ohio at home. That's a rough start for Fitz there in uh, in Northwestern. Well, Purdue got the ball back, uh, so it looks like Purdue is going to hold on to win 28-26 over Florida Atlantic. But again, you got a scare from a 2-2 two and two Florida Atlantic team. Not even like a great – you know, I, I like Iowa's – the FCS game that Iowa had against South Dakota State. At least you were playing a really good program, a proud program, a program, and a, and a team that's going to win a lot of games this year and, and – 
potentially compete for a national championship on a lower level. Uh, these are not the teams that are putting scares into or beating teams like Purdue and Northwestern and Nebraska. And so there's a lot of winnable games out there for this Iowa team. If this defense can stay healthy, uh, if this offensive line can figure things out, if the two-headed monster at running back is what it should be. You know, do you win this week at Michigan? Probably not. Or at home against Michigan? Probably not. But you like your chances against anybody inside Kinnick Stadium. It's an 11 a.m. kick on Saturday. It's a big noon uh, game on Fox. It's a big deal. This is a And you like Iowa's kind of history with Michigan and with Jim Harbaugh. So I'm not going to predict a win for the Hawkeyes, but I certainly uh, don't think it's an impossible thing. And, uh, you know, even just playing Michigan well could, could be a boost for this team. To, uh, heading into what's probably going to be a tough game at Illinois the following week uh, before I think then the bye and then Ohio State and ugh. so if you can gain a little confidence be- before that Ohio State game I think you feel a lot better because uh, Ohio State is just wrecking people and, and that's probably not going to be a great day in Columbus for the Hawkeyes but this is a great night in Iowa for the Hawkeyes and uh, we have it covered from all angles Rob Howe, John Bonacamp, Rick Brown, myself we got it all going on at HawkeyeNation.com I'll be back at some point early next week to talk a little bit more about this and pre Preview the Michigan game when I've got a little bit more time uh, after this game. I will uh, have my opposition research podcast next week as well, and then the HawkeyeNation.com radio show on KXNO Thursday night at 7. Thank you so much for listening, and go Hawks!